Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, immigrants in Mississippi are discussing what might change for them under a Donald Trump presidency. The wall is terrible. It's a terrible idea. It's no different than the uh, Berlin Wall. It's no different than the the walls in Palestine that um, the Israeli government has erected to keep um, Israeli citizens separate from Palestinians. And we are going to organize against it nationally. Then a visit from the experts of Everyday Tech on the many ways you can connect to the Internet. Later, closing the achievement gaps among Mississippi students. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Donald Trump names his transition team. Mississippians and other Americans are waiting to see what policies will be put into place by the president-elect. Chief among those watching will be members of the immigrant community. Trump rose in popularity during the primary campaign season by promising to build a wall along the border between the U.S. and Mexico. He also promised to deport immigrants who came in the country outside the legal route and to halt immigration by Muslims. Bill Chandler is with Mississippi Immigrant Rights Alliance. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier there is a long, hard fight ahead for immigrants living in a Trump administration. That's one of the things that he has promised to do and has been the centerpiece of his campaign is attacking immigrants. And one of, one of his, his uh, ideas was to start construction right away on a wall across the southwestern border of the United States. And the irony is is that the first wall that was uh, started in 1996 was done by the Clinton administration when they built walls uh, across the urban areas uh, like Mexicali and Tijuana and and other uh, border areas. Uh, And that basically forced migrants into the deserts because they cross through mountains and deserts and in south texas uh, across the river where people have drowned and into the brush country of south texas trying to avoid uh, encounters with uh, the border patrol so there's been a wall in our life for at least 30 years uh, already and the sad part about it i lived on the border both in california 
Baja California across and also uh, in Texas. And we used to be able to go across the border freely, as did uh, uh, families and others on the border on both sides. And the issue with the wall, it separates, it's already separating families because there are families on both sides of, of the border and they have a hard time uh, visiting each other. And probably the worst example is the Indians that live in Arizona whose uh, land is on both sides of the border. And previous to the uh, walls and the uh, hysteria about immigrants, they could go across and visit their family members in Mexico and vice versa. Now they have to travel 75 miles one way to a border crossing and cross to go into Mexico or vice versa. And they have to have papers, as they say, to identify themselves as Native Americans. So the wall is terrible. It's a terrible idea. It's no different than the uh, Berlin Wall. It's no different than the, the walls in Palestine that um, the Israeli government has erected to keep um, Israeli citizens separate from Palestinians. Palestinians uh, citizens. So the wall is a terrible idea, and we are going to organize against it nationally. Do you see him really building a wall? Do you think it's going to come to fruition? It's hard to say. The expense involved in creating a wall like that would cost billions of dollars if if it's going to be what he has described in his campaign. But Mexicans are going to, the Mexican government is going to pay for it. The Mexican government says, no, they're not going to pay for it. It's not a wall that's in their their interest. And again, it has disrupted the commerce on the border. Uh, the uh, Americans have uh, prospered because of the uh, border, and Mexicans have prospered because of the border. And the more it's closed, the effect it's going to have on the economy in the borderline areas is going to be de- devastating. There is a concern about criminals coming over the border, drug dealers coming over the border, jobs that should be going to Americans being taken by uh, people who are coming over that border. Your reaction to that? And that there is a lot of passionate discussion about that. Well, particularly among white supremacists that are uh, using that as an excuse to keep brown folks out because they're afraid of brown and black people getting together along with progressive whites politically that would make a change in this country. The concern about taking jobs is not true. The reality is is that when immigrants come here, whether it's Mississippi or anywhere else, their activity creates jobs uh, here in, in our state. You can look at all the various businesses around the state and see what's going on. The uh, restaurants and, and uh, stores and uh, other activity by immigrants has uh, contributed tremendously to our economy, and they're not taking jobs. You have jobs that are terrible to begin with, like in the food processing industry, that more and more African-Americans don't want to work at or whites that want to work at, and as they achieve more education, uh, they have other alternatives for employment. So, you know, the fact is that there's a vacuum created by people not wanting to work in those industries, as an example, and so Latinos and others, you know, are filling those jobs, but not for long. The turnover in that industry particularly is very high because of industrial accidents and corporal tunnel and other things. The average life of a poultry worker, for example, on the job is, is about four and a half years. 
MPB's Desiree Fraser with Bill Chandler of Mississippi Immigrants Rights Alliance on the actions the group might be taking toward President-elect Donald Trump's administration. Khalid Hudson is with the International Museum of Muslim Cultures in Jackson. He tells Desiree Fraser Muslims will continue to try to educate Americans about Islam, a religion most know little about. I, I am disappointed. I'm disappointed that he that he won. But in all reality, for me personally, I wasn't really a strong advocate for um, Secretary Clinton. To me, I think there was going to be pros and cons of both. Well, maybe less pros for President Trump. But at the same time, I had my, my reservations about um, Secretary um, Clinton. So regardless of any, whoever won the presidency, we were going to have to work regardless. I mean, as Muslims, we've been doing work before trying to educate the people about Islam and about the intentions of the Muslims, whether it was the Bush administration or Obama administration or whoever else would have won the presidential. So our mission and our purpose, in a sense, stays the same. But it is concerning how open he is about these things. But um, at the same time, I think a lot of politicians say a lot of things to get votes. And they don't necessarily always pan out. So I'm hoping that these items are more on the won't necessarily pan out, but it's going to require of us to uh, not only work as a Muslim community, but um, uh, really strengthen our connections with our allies to really oppose the passing of uh, not only the vetting of Muslim immigrants, but then also the building of the wall. I mean, these are one in the same uh, issue, really. So Why is it one in the same issue? Because I think it's, it's an injustice all the way around. When we look at different groups of people and not just focus on the fact that one is Muslim or Christian or, or non-believer or what have you, we all want the same things for ourselves and our families. And those things is to be, um, to be comfortable, to, to have living wage employment, um, to be safe and secure. Um, and in reality, that's why the Muslim people or immigrants have always came to America. That's why Latinos from South America always have always came um, to America looking for a better way for themselves. And, and in reality, we cannot forget that we are a nation of immigrants. There's not a person, Donald Trump included, that um, can really say that their lineage goes back to the original inhabitants of the United States. So... With that being said, we have to find a way to encourage empathy um, for the reasons why people are coming here and not use, uh, uh, not allow that, that narrative of, uh, of that they're trying to do us harm or that they're enemies to the state to really persevere. Um, I think the evidence is very clear that, you know, um, amongst the Muslims that are here in America, we're not terrorists, the, 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 the greatest numbers of those um, committing those types of acts are not Muslim people. Um, and then also, as far as the Latinos coming um, from South America, they're here to work and provide for their families. I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. So we have to fight this type of ignorance or bigotry with truth and, um, and focus on the human rights of all people. What was your concern with Hillary Clinton had she become president? I mean, with, with Hillary Clinton, I mean, she's a lifelong politician first. Um, you know, although she's not her husband, the reality is is that, you know, as an African-American uh, man, um, under the, the Clinton administration, more black people have been um, imprisoned. That's really the, the real start for the prison industrial complex. And she supported that, you know. And so we're talking about uh, institution or policies that have de- devastated the black community have devastated the, the, the black families. 
um, and, and led to the situation that we have today. So I, I wasn't on board for policy, but then I also have to look at things like uh, we had a stable government in Libya, and we've overthrew that government. We Gaddafi is, is not even living no more, and now we have a failed state and we have ISIS there. And she was on board with these uh, with these policies, so I had to have great concern um, about some of her policy choices. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Khalid Hudson of the International Museum of Muslim Cultures on what life might be like for Muslims in Mississippi under a Trump administration. Up next, a visit from the experts of Everyday Tech on the many ways you can connect to the Internet. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. MPB Radio's local programs are available now as podcasts. Sure, you love your MPB mobile app. It streams your favorite program anytime you like. But when streaming's not the thing, say, in flight or driving on the Natchez Trace, download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket. Available on iTunes or on any podcast app. Grab your local MPB podcast now. Ever hear a news story about business or the economy and go, man, why do I care? Yeah, not on Marketplace. We've seen stocks go wild. Customer has gotten really impatient. Okay, first of all, we're talking about awards, Kai. I'm Kai Rizdal. It's the business news of the day. For the rest of us, it's next time on Marketplace from APM. Tonight at 6 on MPB Think Radio. Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sharita Brent here with Wilts Petraer. And today we're going to be talking about Internet access technologies, the different ways you can connect to the Internet. Good morning, Wilts. Thanks for being on. Good morning, Sharita. Is it pretty safe to assume that everybody has access to Internet? Or when you think about places like rural areas, is it harder for folks to access the Internet? Well, the availability is definitely there for just about everyone. Where the real challenge comes in when it comes to your, your more rural environments, which we're very familiar with here in Mississippi, is sometimes you, you give up speed, um, and depending on how rural, you may actually see your, your price tag for that kind of access kind of go, go up as well. Yeah, because there's a higher demand in that area. Well, there really is. Um, you know, For example, my dad lives out in the middle of Kapai County. And when I'm saying out in the middle of Kapai County, he is out in the middle of Kapai County. You can't get there from here. They actually truck in sunlight. But for the longest time, he had uh, satellite internet, which, which gave him the access and the ability, you know, to, to look up a few things. But what he really saw, you know, uh, something that's really gotten popular nowadays, streaming, such as your Netflix and your Hulu and your Amazon Prime Video, is not really available in those those more rural areas because of the limitations of things such as satellite internet. Mm-hmm. So it's still a shortcoming, and it was actually a little bit more expensive than we were paying in, in town. So it was kind of a frustration to him 
but really depending on what you're use what you're what you're using it for can really dictate what your availability is. So before we get into the different types of internet technologies, can we talk about some easy things to try if you're at home and your internet just pops off? Are there some easy things to do like unplugging the modem's power cord? Definitely some easy things to do. I know a lot of people have probably heard this from us computer nerds for years and years, but sometimes the simplest thing you can do is to simply turn it off and turn it back on again. Um, the reasons for that without getting technical are basically you're trying to clear out any clutter. Just kind of imagine that, that desk full of, of stuff on it. You know, Sometimes you can just start your day that much easier. If you could just take all of that and push it off into the trash can and get a fresh start, that's really what restarting any of your equipment does. So as a first thing to try, always try the simple stuff first. I usually advise folks, just restart your modem and the way that I typically would tell them, you know, most people will have everything built in to one device, say like from your cable or DSL provider, there'll be a, a modem and such. Unplug it, give it about 30 seconds uh, just to kind of let the, let the power basically drain all the way out of it, allow it a really good reset, give it about 30 seconds and then plug it back in and see if that doesn't fix the problem. A lot of times that will do the trick. What about loose cables? Now, that's something folks may not really think about. It can. We don't see it as often. Um, one of the biggest things I see when it comes to the cables, all of us have probably seen the uh, RJ45 connectors, but they look like an overgrown telephone connector. Some of us who may remember the, the old school, plain old telephone service that many of us grew up with has that little plastic tab on the top of it. Unfortunately, those little plastic tabs there, they're kind of weak. So one thing you can really look at is, is if that, that little tab might have broken off, you may actually see your cable working its way out. That can be as simple as running down to your local store, I mean, even a, a Walmart or Dollar General and picking up probably a 3 or $4 small cable just to replace that. So let's talk about some of the Internet technologies. So dial-up, is that pretty much over with, or do some people still use dial-up? Well, you know, I would love to say that it's over with, but it's actually still out there. There oh. is a little bit in some of your more rural areas. Uh, for the longest time, my grandparents would say, you know, the dial-up's still faster than I am. Um, <laughs> most of the time when we're re really still seeing that is with fax machines. A lot of businesses are still using fax, um, especially from a legal standpoint. Fax is still considered fairly secure. So really where you're seeing your dial-up modems now are going to be in those fax machines in the office. You'll still hear that telltale screechy sound when they fire up. But luckily those things have pretty much went away and we're looking at a lot more broadband connectivity. We'll talk a little bit more on Everyday Tech the Show this coming Wednesday at 10. For Wilts Couture, I'm Sharita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. Coming up this morning at 10 on Now You're Talking, Marshall Ramsey will speak with author Katie Simpson-Smith about her new novel, Free Men. Plus, rapper DeAndre Jones, also known as 808 The Bass, will speak with Marshall about how he uses music to channel the stress of a muscular disease he suffers from. Be sure to tune in to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey this morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org.
Ever hear a news story about business or the economy and go, man, why do I care? Yeah, not on Marketplace. We've seen stocks go wild. Customer has gotten really impatient. Okay, first of all, we're talking about awards, Kai. I'm Kai Rizdal. It's the business news of the day. For the rest of us, it's next time on Marketplace from APM. Tonight at 6 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. State education officials are taking a look at closing the largest student achievement gaps in Mississippi as part of the Department of Education's mandate. Addressing the differences in achievement among students across the state is a high priority. MPB's Paul Boger spoke with Paula Vanderford of the Department of Education. She says the largest student achievement gap on state testing is between African-Americans and whites. But the department is releasing a more in-depth analysis of the gaps to local districts. We provided the subgroup data for districts. Last month, we did the statewide gap analysis, and so the board had requested that we come back with the district gap analysis. And so we printed that in form of heat maps, and I think those are online, um, and provided them to the districts. Now, these um, heat maps were generated from the 15-16 assessment data. Um, And these were just for informational purposes only. Um, So your question was how will MDE use this data in the future? So ESSA is going to require that we report out by subgroups. And, you know, we haven't um, been, been doing that lately or recently. And so we're moving forward, you know, and just providing this information to districts so that they can... Um, take the report and know how many students in the comparison group is performing proficient or advanced in compared to the subgroup. Explain to me a little bit about this this, this spreadsheet you have here. Uh, how does it work and, and, and what are some of the interesting things that you're finding? So we, we have a document that deals with interpreting that heat map. And so in the heat maps, you see your three colors, the red, the amber, and the green. And so the amber represents um, the, the districts that fall within um, five percentage points um, above or below the state average. And then when you get into the green, those are the districts that have the lower gaps as compared to the state average. And the red, they have higher gaps. And so what we did at the board today is just walk through, of course, we we talked a lot about, you know, what the representation of the heat map looks like and how it could be misleading. Um, We gave two examples. We just walked through an A district and an F district. And the point is that while you see a lot of red in some of the A districts, they have larger gaps. But that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily bad because in the examples that, you know, we provided, a large percentage of the students within that comparison group are actually performing at levels four and five. And so there's a a big difference in the way the kids in the subgroup are performing as compared to the comparison group. And then when you get into, and so we pointed out, like in some of the lower performing districts that have the smaller gaps, you might think, oh, well, the kids in Greenville, because they have a smaller gap, 
are doing better than the kids in Oxford. So, so it could be misleading by looking at a heat map. And so that's what our examples intended to do was to explain that. So, so here were some of the notes, um, and I think I might have already said that, but the large positive numbers in red are large gaps. The small positive or even the negative are the reverse gap numbers, you know, indicate that there's no significant um, gaps. And so um, the gap analysis can be misleading because the smaller gaps are not always necessarily good. And so then we talked about, you know, in the A and B districts, as I said, you're going to see some of the the larger gaps where likely in the lower performing um, districts, you're going to see the smaller gaps. Um, And um, the lower performing districts and schools have the smaller gaps because most of their students within those schools or in the district are lower performing. MPB's Paul Boger with Paula Vanderford of the State Department of Education on student achievement gaps across the state. And just a quick reminder uh, that coming up tomorrow at 830 is the next Mississippi edition. Up next, Deep South Dining. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey and Southern Remedy. If you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. It's Marketplace Tech.